This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Well, uh, usually Sandy makes my keynotes, uh, and so we have a whole tradition we've gone through for, oh, we're closing in a decade uh, of doing this, and this is going to look a little different than a normal uh, Ellerslie Sunday morning sermon, and that's because it is. It's a very unusual sermon, and uh, let me introduce it to you. His Little Feet, a special gospel message. But that's not the full name. If you've taken a peek, which you're not allowed to take peeks inside your notes, but if you have taken a peek, look at this. Watch this. I made this do this. Boom. I did that. I figured out how to do that. His beautiful little feet, not to be misconstrued with his little feet, the the, uh, children's choir, but this is a message called His Beautiful Little Feet. Uh, and then I added a picture to it, which I thought was, was great. Uh, I thought it was just one of the most precious uh, pictures. So there's a father. You can think, just think of Jesus. Uh, and those are uh, the feet of his children. Why, why would he consider feet to be beautiful? Have you ever had that uh, as a thought? Because feet are eh, uh, not what we would normally think of as beautiful. And yet, when they look like that, you have to admit, if you're a parent... They're pretty special. It's our grown-up feet, especially Mike Hans. Have you guys ever seen Mike Hans feet? It's, it's funny because he has a ministry called His Little Feet, which is sort of like, hey, it's, guys, it's their feet, not mine. Uh, but his feet, you'll have to. If you ever just have the opportunity to ask him, Mike, could you show us your feet? Uh, it would be worth it. Uh, so you could understand the ironies of Mike having a ministry called His, his Little Feet or having a, having a message called His Beautiful Little Feet. Uh, <laughs> Mike, that's how God thinks of your feet. Uh, just, I want you to think of it that way. Uh, all right. So this is dedicated to, now little did you guys know this, but this is dedicated to the special children from the His Little Feet International Children's Choir for 2017-2018. Do you guys know who you are? Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's you guys. Uh, and this is dedicated to you. Every now and then I'll dedicate a message to someone, so this is very special. Look at that. Little did you guys know you were going to pop up on the screen. Okay, now, uh, there's a couple rules of thumb of knowing how to pronounce these names, okay? Uh, in India, if you look at the, the Indian children, uh, all the boys will always have an A at the end of their name. An aw. You don't say A. It's an aw at the end of their name. Okay, did you guys hear me? It's an aw at the end of their name. And uh, the HR sound, look at the top left. The HR says, shh. Is that right? So, shiata. Is that right? Shiata. And then this one's easy. David. (laughs) I I worked hard on that one. Kimmy, Joseph, Zununa, Stanley. Okay, now here's another little trick. uh, Because an M-A-W is moi. Right? Which 
to us it's not, but remember, we're speaking Indian right now. What, what language specific? Mizo. So I'm speaking a little Mizo. You guys can be impressed. Mamoy. See? Look at that. That, was, that took some practice. Donaldson. Boy, that was easy. So this is that HR. So it's the sh sound. So it's shui. Shuai. Shuai. Okay. Where's shuai? Moya. Moya. Let's see. Faith. Rema. Dongdonga. <laughs> Sasha. Moi Moya. Wanja. Isaka. I, uh. Now, watch closely, guys. Okay, I'm going to go back. Now, watch closely. Because you guys are going to be a part of this message. Okay, this is dedicated to you guys. So, watch. Okay, now I'm going to move on so that you don't get too familiar with that. All right, wasn't that fun? Okay, so Romans 10. This was read by Pastor Judah before we started, but little do you know that that was going to be a part of our message today. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So right there is the secret verse behind the name of the His Little Feet Choir in the first place. You guys are the ones carrying the good news of Jesus to a lost and dying world. This past year, so many people encountered the goodness of Jesus in watching you guys. So let's break this uh, verse down. At the very beginning, it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't that sound like an oversimplification uh, to many of us as far as like, how, do you, how are you saved? Well, just call on the name of the Lord. And yet what that means is you recognize that you're drowning. You recognize that you have no hope. And so when you call on the name of the Lord, the name of, of anyone, and especially when you understand Scripture, the name is the character, the virtue, the ability, the very essence or, or the nature and character wrapped up into a person. Call on him. He is faithful and true and he is able to save. And when you call upon him, you're saved. He rescues you. He desires to rescue you. So how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? You see, if you haven't heard of who Jesus is, well, then how could you believe in Jesus? So that's a good question. So if none of us ever speaks of who Jesus is, then no one would ever hear, which means no one could believe, because you have to hear in order to believe. That's what it's saying. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Which means there is a need of a preacher. There is a need of one who will carry forth this good news to the people that otherwise would not hear. And if they don't hear, they can't believe. And if they don't believe, how can they call on the name of the Lord and be saved? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. I want to describe to you the most beautiful feet that ever walked this earth. We're not ours. I know. Even though these kids' feet are so precious, the most precious feet that ever walked this earth were, they belonged to Jesus Christ. And he was the one that preached the good news with his very life as he hung on that cross. Talk about a sermon. The greatest sermon of the love of God, of the justice of God, of the perfection of God that ever existed took place on that cross. Now it is our privilege. We have little feet. We are not the big feet of, of God Almighty. The ones, you know, all things are under his feet. Have you ever heard that statement? Yeah, and, and did you know that we are called the body of Christ, which means that all things are under our feet in Christ Jesus? It's an amazing thought. But we don't have capital F feet. We have little small f feet. And yet, they are no less beautiful. You see, when we allow God to take this body of ours and send it into this world to share the good news of Jesus, then we are, by biblical description, possessors of beautiful feet. God finds that absolutely attractive. And guess what you guys have done for us this past year? You've gone into this world and you have shared the goodness of Jesus Christ, the grandness of his message. So there's a piece of paper here. I, I, I did bring a piece of paper up here just so I could at least show you. I, I forgot to bring a blank sheet of paper. So this one is blank on one side. But if, you, if the light shines through it, there is stuff on the other side. And so I want you to uh, recognize I'm, that's like a sheet of paper up there. And it says God. And so what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to share with you the gospel. And I know you could just sort of roll your eyes and say, well, I've heard that. I've heard that, Eric. That's like me saying, hey, did you want to eat today? And you say, no, I've eaten. Uh, when did you eat last? Oh, 20 years ago, I came down to the front of a church and ate a meal. You don't eat once in your life. You eat daily. And you don't even just eat once a day. You eat multiple times. And if you're an athlete, some of those guys eat like five or six meals a day. Spiritual athletes, you know what they do? They gobble down the gospel all day long. See, this is food. This isn't just facts of something that took place 2,000 years ago. This is the living truth of God that needs to be digested all day long, every day. And it's what causes us to live. It's the power of God unto salvation. When you guys hear the word salvation, you often think of a big S salvation, like salvation from an eternal punishment in hell. Well, it's true. Jesus is that. But did you know that he's also what we could call a small s savior? In which means he saves us in all the small s moments of life too. So like, for instance, you're tempted. What do you do with that temptation? Try and drum up the strength in your own ability to save yourself from that temptation? No, no. You have a savior. And that savior is more than capable of helping you in that moment to overcome that temptation. Fear, anxiety, lust, pride. How are you going to overcome these things? You try and muscle your way through this life to showcase Christianity, and guess what? You're going to fail. But there is a great secret, and his name is Jesus Christ. And you don't just need him once to be saved from some eternal hellfire. You need him today, all day long. So I don't think this will hurt you to hear the gospel. In fact, this could be the most robust version you may have ever heard. And this is a massively trimmed down version. This is like pruned down to the nubbins so we can get it in before the thunderstorms hit so we can get some baptisms in. Do you guys know what the baptisms are today? It's these kiddos. Isn't that precious? (laughs) 
So if I move a little quicker than normal through this, you'll at least know why. God. You see, that white sheet of paper sort of represents his creation, who he is. Uh, He is invisible according to scripture. Isn't that an odd thought? Uh, God is invisible. He's spirit. See, he's of a different nature than we are. And yet, sort of like a hand, he created a glove. And that glove, which we could look at, let's see, how could I hold this? He created a physical universe. So out of nothing, he created, right? And this physical universe is where we live. So this little flap here could be sort of like his creation. So God, who is, who's uh, over all things, has designed this creation to reveal himself. It is his great purpose. And so in and amidst this creation, he creates us as the chief end of his creation, which is really hard for us. Doesn't, don't you almost feel like you're bragging a little when you say, yeah, I'm the chief of his creation. And yet we are his chosen vehicle through which he will reveal his glory in this earth. He didn't choose your cat. I know you love your cat, but his choice was not your cat through which he would reveal his glory. It does not mean a cat can't reveal the invisible attributes of God. It's just that we were created in the image of God with a very specific purpose to carry forth that image so that this world would say, so that's what God is like. God designed this body, each of your bodies, as that delivery vehicle. And, you know, so there we have it. You, you're, you see, you're like God, sort of like a glove is like a hand. But the hand is very different than the glove. It's the, the glove is created in the image of the hand, but when you remove that glove, from, or you remove the hand from the glove, how's the, how's the glove going to do if it doesn't have a hand in it? It's not going to do so well. You could give it a command, and what's it going to do? It's just going to flop to the ground. You see, it can't do anything of its own accord, and that's the way you were created. You were created in the image of God through which the hand could reveal his invisible qualities in a natural realm. That was why you were created. And so uh, we're going to draw a little picture of you down here. See, that's, that's you guys. You're nice looking. I, I should have put some hair on the character. Some of the girls here are like, that's not me. Uh, so you need to imagine your own clothing on it, but that's you. And you are God's uh, great creation. God designed you to even have relationship with him, to, to not just reveal himself through you, but to enjoy fellowship with him, to share in a personal relationship with him. It's just, it's almost too good to be true. So, uh, sorry that it sort of goes in and out like that, but uh, we're adding to the picture. Now, that's a, uh, it looks like a big chair, doesn't it? It's, it's what it's supposed to look like. This is Eric drawings, okay? They're not that impressive. Uh, but, so you have to use your imagination as Eric drawings come on the screen. But uh, this is what we can call the presence of God, okay? And there's no better way of describing God than as a father. In fact, Jesus chiefly or exclusively uses the term father to describe the invisible God. And so, how would we look at it? Just imagine, have you ever had it where you go into your father's study and he's in a big, huge chair like this and he maybe has his leg folded over and he's reading a paper? Have you ever, like, crawled up? I used to crawl through that hole in my dad's, uh, between his legs, and I'd climb up into his lap and, uh, and just sort of sit there with your dad. That's, that's what this is. This is the presence of God. And so it's a pretty significant place. And it's a place that every one of us should desire. So uh, at the top of the, uh, the chair, you're going to see a crown. And I know it's sort of a funny-looking crown, but that's because God has authority over all things. 
You see, he isn't just like a king. He is the king, or as scripture would say, the king of all kings. In other words, he has authority over all authorities. In fact, all authority flows from him. Anything that has authority, it actually is an authority that came from him. Now we're going to add some grapes. Those are grapes. You guys like how those grapes are? Don't you want to eat one of those? Those look really good. That's a cluster of grapes symbolic of what we can call life. You see, God is life. It's, it's sort of an odd way of describing God, but God is life. And did you know what death even is? Death is the absence of life. Death in and of itself is not measurable. You can't like weigh it on a scale. There's nothing to it. It merely means that life has been taken away. And so God is the substance, the essence of living, of life. And so to the Jews, which is the culture that Jesus uh, came out of, uh, to them a grape and the juice of a grape was the life of a grape. And so it's very significant to a Jew. That's, so that's a great symbol of life to a Jew. Okay, So I'm just trying to impress you with how Jewish I can be uh, here in my illustration. And so that's a symbol of life. Let's do another symbol on the other side. Oh, lightning. That's a symbol of power. So in God's presence, he has all authority, he has all life, and he has all power. Uh, he's, he's a pretty incredible guy, okay? He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is nothing that was made that he didn't make, and all things are subjected to him. If you've ever studied the universe, it is so massive. You know that if we were, got in a little space capsule and we traveled at the speed of light, it would take over a million years to get to the next major galaxy. Over a million years, moving at the speed of light, and the speed of light is like, what, 13 times around our, our earth in one second. Okay, so that's fast. Take over a million years to get to the next major galaxy, and there's over 200 billion of them estimated in the universe. Okay? And God encompasses the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So we are really small, and God is really big. He has all power. Now I'm going to put some rumble marks. You see that down on the bottom of the legs that goes... I mean, why? Because the presence of God is holy, holy, holy. If you study Isaiah 6... Yet you need to put some rumble marks there because the posts of the temple, the doors, everything's because God is present here and he is perfect, perfect perfection. He is righteous, righteous, righteousness. He is pure, pure purity. He is holy, holy, holiness. Okay, so this is what we could call the presence of God. I'm going to use a term for it and that is it is the righteousness of God. So that whole thing that I just described is as God is. One of the best ways to understand righteousness is as God is and as we ought to be. So God created us to showcase, I know, this in that little body. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so some of you are like, I don't know that I'm doing that very well. That, that, that's part of the story. However, this is what created us. And this is, what we were, this is where we were supposed to live so to share our life with holy, holy, holiness. Oh, I forgot to, to show you something. You see, I, I wrote down over here your account. See, this is what you possess. And what you have to be able to participate in this, you have to share in, you have to have the stuff. You have to be righteous. Okay, to be able to enter the righteous domain, you have to have righteousness. Just like if you wanted to go buy a pack of gum, what would you have to have? You'd have to have necessary funds in your account. And so if you don't have the funds, well, then no pack of gum. It's the same thing that God makes very clear in the kingdom of heaven. However, as long as we have him, as long as there is no breach of relationship, then we have all we need in our account, but something went bad, 
Look at this. Oh, no. Okay, so this is where my piece of paper comes in. How do I do this? All right, you see this? We were created to share in the life, the light, the power, the authority of God. But then when man rebelled, I mean, what is man thinking? Why would man think that he could be his God? Isn't that just a, a funny thought that could ever... That's like the glove saying, I could be like that hand. No, 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 no. What are you thinking of doing, glove? No, 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 don't do that. Because if you cut off from that hand, oh, no. You see, when that creation rebelled, suddenly it's in the darkness, okay? In other words, it was cut off from light. I mean, if, you, if the light was shining this way, what would happen on the backside? You got darkness, okay? And it cut off from life. What's left? Death. So when you lose the life, you have death. When you lose the light, what happens if we turn out light? You have darkness. Darkness is not a material substance. You can't weigh it on a scale. It is merely the absence of something. It is the absence of light. And so as a result, when we rebelled against God and we said, I could be as God. Hey, I, I, look at me. I'm a pretty impressive creation. I don't need God. Can you believe we had the audacity to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we did. Every single one of us has pulled off this stunt in our soul. It says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us had our account emptied. You see, the moment that you cut off from God because of sin, you see, unless you are perfect, unless you are righteous as God is, you cannot enter into that presence. And so the moment you made that choice, the moment you took that seat that was actually God's seat in your life, well... You lost everything in your account. What do you have in your account? Let's, let's see. I got some death in my account. I got some darkness in my account. Will that make my way into the kingdom of heaven? No, no. You have to have perfect righteousness. You see, we have a problem. It's called the bad news. God didn't change. We did. Oh, who's this? Remember, this message is dedicated to the His Little Feet team. They're the sharers of the gospel. And I want you guys to realize that as you go home, you're sharing this good news with your homeland. There's a reason why God gave you what he gave you. And it wasn't so that you can just feel all cuddly good about it in the inside. It's so that you can share it. You know that God designed us as vehicles through which he gives and then we give what he gives us. So in other words, it's like, you guys know what a spigot is? A spigot or a... Uh, What's the, what are those things called? The gate valve. Okay, so it's like there's a, there's a pipeline coming in, and we need to choose to receive it. So we open up that spigot, and in comes the life of God. And then what do we do with it? Well, there's an out spigot too. And if we don't open it up, did you know that we lose that? It's almost like the lack of opening up on this side actually closes it on this side. And we lose the life if we don't become a flow-through channel. God intends to flow through us. And so, this is you guys. This is your gospel. Do you know what Paul says? Paul the Apostle says, this is my gospel. Well, this is Shiata's gospel. This is your gospel. Isn't that an amazing thought that you have the gospel to carry around too? And so you have a special name. Okay, I gave you a special name. It's the Father's heart. And that's what you have to express. So look what we're going to put in the picture. We're going to put Shiata in the picture too. Isn't that fun? He gets to hang out in the midst of the gospel message. There's a big heart there. You see, God could have cut us off. The fact that we rebelled against him, and what would most of us do? All right, enough of you. 
But God is love. You ever heard that statement? God is love. And so in his presence, he is defined by this attribute, which is why he has pursued us, which is why he didn't take no for an answer, which is why he gave up his life in order to rescue us, which is, of course, the good news, which is what we know as the gospel. Oh, there's David. Uh, David, you are the standard bearer. And that means you're the carrier of the high message of God Almighty. The fact that he is a holy, holy, holy God. The fact that he is a righteous, righteous, righteous one. You see, you can't allow the church of Jesus Christ to take a low view of God. You need to fight to have them keep a high view. You know that God is love, and that's why he gave us his word. You see, he didn't have to express himself. He's invisible, right? How would we ever see that which is invisible? And we had rebelled against him. He could just say, eh and shoo us away. I mean, we deserve eternal punishment. That's the just consequence for our sin. And yet, because he loves us, he gave us his word. You see, the word comes in three forms. The word of God in text is known as the Bible. The word of God in person is known as Jesus Christ. The word of God in action, when that word in that body known as Jesus went and performed all that the Bible said he would. That's the word of God in action. And so what we were given first in the word, remember Moses, the first five books of the Bible, they're called the law. And that doesn't sound like a loving gift, does it? It's like, thank you, God, I got the law. The law is a gift of love to us. You know what it shows us? It shows us that we're cut off from his presence. You know that if you're living in darkness, you don't even know that there is a God? You know that if you're living in darkness, you don't even know that you're dead? You know that if you're living in darkness, you don't even know that there's such a thing called light? Because you're dead and you're in darkness. So what does the law do? The law awakens. The law says you have a problem because unless you were like this, you couldn't have anything to do with me. And you look at yourself like, I'm not like that. And so first, God must give us bad news so that we're ready to understand good news. If you're a physician, you come to help someone who has, you know, broken arm or something, and they're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're like, you have a broken arm. What do you mean I have a broken arm? And they, you know, get all offended at that. You see, if you know you have a broken arm, then you receive the help of a physician. That's exactly what Jesus says. You need to know you have a broken arm so I can help you. If you don't know it, then I can't. The law is a gift. However, it also stipulates that unless you have the perfect righteousness of this law, you cannot enter into that heart and into this presence. And so at first, it doesn't sound like good news, does it? Oh, Kimmy, you are the humble you get to hang out near the cross. You see, how do we get in through that law, into that heart, into that big cozy chair again? God has made it very clear that the righteous judgments and the righteous conclusion of the law is anyone who violates that is deserving of death. Okay? And that's a symbol of a curse in the Bible. You know the cross is a symbol of the curse? And yet God didn't just leave it there. He also said, but... I will send forth one. In the Old Testament, they knew him as the Messiah. In the New Testament, it's known as the Christos, the Christ. And he will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. So it's always talking about this one day that is going to come. But that cross is a symbol of a just, a big word here, atonement, which means the satisfaction for sin. The law declares, you must give this. You must die for sin. And so what does Jesus do? Well, that's part of the story. But before we get there, we need to talk about Joseph. Where's Joseph? Joseph, you're the victor. 
Oh, isn't that a good name? So all the kids are going to be arguing about who has the best name. I mean, these are good names. The victor, look where you get to hang out, Joseph. Oh, right by Jesus on the cross. So because God so loved us, he gave us his law. He gave us his word. He gave us the law and the prophets. And then he gave us himself. And though we deserve death, we could not, with our own unrighteousness, make it through that cross. We are unrighteous. It demanded a pure and spotless sacrifice that no man could offer. So Jesus himself, the Son of God, says, God, Father, I'll go. And he comes to this earth, and he gives up his life on our behalf. You see, you want to know how to get into the presence of God? I'm giving you a little keyhole here. You have to get through Jesus to get through that punish, that just atoning punishment of, of that curse, to get through that law, the perfect righteousness of God, into that heart, into that big chair. This is how it works. Oh, Zanuna. The decision man, which means everyone that comes into your life has to make a decision. They have to decide. Are they going with Jesus or are they going against Jesus? In other words, you're going to be a fork in the road. So here we are down here. Remember? us down here, God's creation that was cut off. But you notice how this part was black until one key thing happened. We called upon the name of the Lord. You see, look at the side of Jesus. At the side of Jesus is a wound, a spear wound. I like to look at that as a doorway. We have a doorway into Christ, into and in through the just punishment and the cross, the wrath of God, the curse of God, we literally have, a ju- have an entrance, like a, a doorway, but it's, it's small. You have to humble yourself to get through this. And most of us are too big to fit through this, so we have to humble ourselves and become as little children. And when we call upon Jesus, we enter in through his sufferings, into him, in through that just punishment, that atoning sacrifice of the cross, in, th- in through the perfect righteous requirements of the law, into his heart and into that big chair of his presence. Stanley, the bold. Oh, what a name, buddy. What a name. Okay, now watch this. This is pretty cool. Stanley, you see that line? It goes in through the wound. Now look inside of Jesus. He's very small. But that's a little Stanley up there. It's a little Stanley's inside of Jesus. You see, when you humble yourself and you believe in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross, you know what the Bible says? It says that you are clothed in him. That you enter in through that opening, that suffering of Christ, what happened on the cross, so that you can live inside Christ. He's your clothing. There you are. All of us that call upon the name of the Lord, there we are. And you know what? That's the keyhole. It's through the wounds of Christ and through the suffering of our great precious Redeemer Jesus that we enter in through that cross, through that law, into his heart, into his very near presence. What an extraordinary privilege. So what does the Bible say? Be bold. Enter the throne room of grace with boldness. And that's how, we're, that's how we do it. How are you going to get into the throne room? How would you do it? Well, you need to be bold. Well, it's not because you have something in your account. I mean, as you're looking over here like I still don't have a lot. He has it all. You know how you're entering in is because you're not judged according to your account. You're judged according to Jesus's. And Jesus has merit to enter. None of us is going to argue that. Can Jesus enter? 
Is he righteous? Did he fulfill the law? Did he live perfectly? He did. That's your secret right there. Mamoy. Oh, this is a great name. Clothed in him. It's the equivalent of saying in Christ. What's your position? In Christ. It's like that. Clothed in him. Do you remember? We had the bold entry into Christ through his wounds. Now we are actually clothed in him. That's what the Bible says. It says put off the old man and put on Christ. And so what happens? Oh, look at this. Your account suddenly has something. What is it? That big R? You know what it stands for? Righteousness. Capital R, righteousness. Not your kind of righteousness, which is small r, which is filthy to God. This is capital R, God righteousness. In your account. Unless you have that in your account, you can't enter in. But guess what? Because you believed in Jesus, now in your account you have his righteousness. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't it fun being able to sit, have your picture sit by that capital R? There's a few people and they're like, why isn't my picture there? Donaldson, you're the gift of grace. Oh, what a name. So now look what's going to happen. You see, now I'm going to go back. You guys have to look closely. Oh, by the way, back, I think it was during, was it Joseph or Stanley, where the circle went around you and God, that you were once again reunited to God, okay? And so you were bound to God. Now, watch what's going to happen. I'm going to go back. And we have a singular line from the, the person down here, the nice drawing of a, a person, all the way up to the wounds of Christ. Now watch what's going to happen with this. It's going to turn into a pipeline. Uh, see? That's really neat. And it's, it's pressurized full of something very specific. You see, it's not that Jesus made a way just for you to get to the Father, for you to get into the big, cozy presence of God. It's not just that. It's that all that is in the presence of God now can come to this body here on earth, which is you, and you can have God here. Uh-huh. Pipeline. So if, we ha- if I could draw it, it'd be like this wave, and it's gushing in through the pipeline straight to you. Now look what Donald, see the picture of Donaldson up there under the account? That's the river. In the, in the scripture, it's called the river of life, which is known as the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus at the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles says, out of their innermost man will flow rivers of living water. Anyone who believes on me, that is the fact. Out of them will flow rivers. Well, the river flowed out of him. Do you remember a spear in his side? And out flowed a river of living water. You remember to the Jew what, uh, what well, the blood of a grape. I, I should have said blood is life to a Jew. So when you have blood and you have water, what is it? It's life water. It's living water. So what flowed out of Jesus? living water. And that's what flows to us. So we receive the Holy Spirit. When we believe in Jesus, now the pipeline is open for the life of God. It's not just in heaven. It's not just where he is, but he shares it with us. So in Christ, we are spiritually found in Christ. And on that judgment day in the end, we will be in the perfect man. And it will be his righteousness. By what merit, Eric Ludi, do you have to enter the kingdom of heaven? Not by my own merit, O oh great king, but by the merit of the righteous one, Jesus. You see, that is in my account. But there's more to it. The gospel includes the fact that we are not left in our own strength to live this life. But the mighty grace of God, that's what that is. It's the gift of grace. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's the working of God. It's the power of God to do. It's all that substance of heaven known as the throne room of grace given to us. 
Shwai. Look at this, spring of life. Look what you get to get associated with. Look what else adds to the account. The grapes. Jesus came to this earth to give us life. And that more abundant. See, all the life of heaven, he actually brings us back to life. We are dead. You know, there's, it's sort of hard to explain because back in the Garden of Eden, remember God says, uh, the day in which you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Now, some of us, the thinkers in here, are like, they ate of it, but they still seem like they're alive. And I understand what you're saying. Physically, their body is still alive, but their spiritual man died. You're like, spiritual man? What do you mean by that? There's a part of each of us. You just can't see it, right? It's an internal part that has hands, feet, heart, mouth, nose, eyes, mind, and it died. It's the habitat. It's the place in which the Holy Spirit dwells. But when God left this body, guess what? It died. But when we believe in Jesus, you know what happens to that dead creature? He rises to newness of life in Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit has a man to work in. It's, it's an inner man inside of us. And God wants to express his life in and through that. So as a result, you don't just use these eyes now. Now you have the eyes of Christ and you see the needy around the world. You don't just have your old mind. You have the mind of Christ. You don't just have your heart of stone. You have a heart that is soft, full of compassion and love. Where did this come from? This comes from that throne room to you. Spring of life. Moya. Moya, you're the empowered. That means it's not going to be in your strength, your talent, your abilities that you change the world. It's going to be through his strength, his power, and his ability. But you'll let him do it through that body. Oh, lightning. The power of God unto salvation. You want to overcome sin in your life? You're going to need something more than your own willpower. You're going to need that lightning. How do you get it? See that pipeline? You believe in Jesus, and now all that is needed for life and godliness in this body has been given you. Now we need to learn how to access it. I mean, you could be given a sword and never pick it up and swing it. You've been given what you need. Now we need to know how to exercise it, which is part of how we grow up in the faith. Faith after his heart. One of the thoughts I had, I was trying to think how to express this because David is a man after God's own heart. So there's two ways you could look at it. That means after the pattern of God's heart, right? But it also can mean pursuing God's heart. Isn't that neat? So that's why I just left it as after his heart. I think that's a beautiful expression. So look where we put faith. You see, what do you get in your account? What do you have access to? Remember that big heart? That big heart in heaven is actually now given to you. And the same thing that led God to give up his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should be saved, that same love now beats inside of you. It's called Christianity. This is how we live. We live by that love. It's now available to us. It's in our account and accessible. We can spend on it. Rhema, his smile. Now, watch what's going to happen. This is, this is great. Now, you have all of that. What's the natural byproduct of having the good news strike your life? Bloop. See that little guy? He has a smile now. You get, some of you missed it. I'm going to go back. Okay, now watch what happens to the little guy's face. Bloop. 
In other words, God brings such joy inside of our life. How could we not help but leap, sing in prison cells? I don't care what this world does to us. We have beheld his glory. As a result, we are the happiest people on earth. Dongdonga. You have to say it that way too. It just sounds more Indian, doesn't it? Dongdonga. His passion. You know, it's neat because the entire work of the cross is called the passion of the Christ. We understand it simply as like the verve, the, the life, the, the intentionality of God, that which he cares deeply about. But it's actually the willingness to suffer, the willingness to carry forth that heart into this world. So look at this. There's a heart there. And it beats inside of us. That's you, Dangdanga. You're the heart of God, the passion of Christ. Sasha, kisser of his feet. You know what worship is? It's kissing the feet. That's what it is. It's, it's humbling yourself before that throne and saying, you deserve everything. And you know, have you ever studied Mary of Bethany? Remember the one that broke open her perfume on Jesus and kissed his feet? Kissed him over and over and over and over again. It's one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible of what it means to be in that body with the life of Jesus in us. And that's you. Oh, you get to hang out with the rumble marks. Oh, wow. Moimoya. The royal one. Look where you get to go. This is pretty fun. (laughs) All sorts of jealousy just broke out. We are not just rescued from a just penalty. You know, I've oftentimes said it's not, I mean, it's pretty amazing that we're allowed into his presence in the first place. However, if there was a poor district in the presence of God, you know, sort of an outline area for all of us sinners, you have God and then you have those of us that he rescued. And praise God that he rescued us, but we get to go to the poor district, right? I mean, because we're not deserving of anything. When exact, the exact opposite is true. He doesn't just rescue us, but he calls us sons and daughters. And he allows us to bear his authority. He makes us royal, part of the royal family. Not just extraordinary, part of the royal family. I mean, we don't deserve to be in this story at all. And yet, we are not just brought into the story, but we're brought right into the center of it. Wanja, the worshiper. You know where you get to go? To the other rumble mark. This is a part of your life. Something that will showcase the glory of God is your heart for him. Your love and passion. Your willingness to bow down and allow him to be all to you. Isaka, the child of the Almighty. That's, that's something to brag about. And by the way, uh, who are you? <clears throat> I'm the child of the Almighty. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to brag about something, I think that ranks up there as something to brag about. Now, this is, this is one of my favorite locations. Okay, watch. You know what that is? That's right on the knee. The father's knee. Bouncing him up and down. Isn't that an amazing thought to think holy, holy, holiness, righteous, 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 pure, pure, purity is willing to bring us in and be our father and to love us, to hold us on his lap, to snuggle with us, to kiss us, and to bounce us on his knee. 
my parents used to have some kind of thing where they would go. I don't remember how it went because I've, I've had my own version with my kids. It was like, ride, ride a guily. I always say, ride, ride a guily, schnook and schnook and smiley because I didn't remember the words. And then, whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, you open your legs and they fall, but you catch them and pick them back up. That's what he's going to do with you. He'll just get the words right. Oh, let's do that again. Okay, watch this, guys. This is, this is fun. Isn't that neat? And there are all your names. Okay, we'll figure out a way to make sure you always remember these names. These are precious names. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. It's a, it's a prayer that I prayed over the prayer. Usually I'll just pray. But in this case, I wrote the prayer down, which is a very unusual thing for, for me to do. But because I, I wanted uh, to express something very specific. <sighs> Dear Father, these are your beautiful little feet, precious in your sight, uniquely fitted to carry the goodness, loveliness, profundity, and power of the gospel to their respective homelands. We thank you for giving us this season with them. It was short, but wonderful. We, the body of Christ here at the church at Ellerslie, give our hearty blessing to these children as they part ways with us. We give them our peace, our love, our joy, and an ever-open door in our hearts. They are a part of us, a part of our family here in Windsor, Colorado, and a forever part of our family in heaven. May their lives carry forth the strength, boldness, courage, and love of the gospel. May their first steps on the soil of their home countries be purposeful ones, intent on lifting high your glory, communicating your grace, and publishing your power. Enable them, Lord, by, inf- by the infilling of your Holy Spirit. Walk in them, work in them, speak to them, speak through them. Empower them to love, to give, to confess their sin, to confess their faith, to serve, to worship you unabashedly, to live for you unashamedly. Protect these little ones for your purposes. Keep them healthy in body, keep them strong in their minds, keep them bold in spirit, and keep them fortified in Christ. Supply for them godly mentors. Mentors that will lead them ever closer to Jesus Christ. Mentors that will show them the life of grace. Mentors that will model unto them the love of the body of Christ. And where in their lives these mentors are absent, I pray you would raise these little ones up to be the mentors for those around them. Construct their souls out of heaven's choicest lumber and establish each of them as God-fearing, humble leaders in their respective nations. We know that you do all things well, Lord Jesus, so build these children up well the way only you can. Remind us of them often to pray for them, to recall their specific needs for grace, and to cherish their uniqueness and preciousness. Thank you for bringing them into our lives. May they be a blessing to their homeland in the same manner they have blessed our country. We ask all of these things confident that you, O Lord, don't just merely hear these requests, but will indeed answer them. And so we ask them with confidence, boldness, and tender affection in the almighty name of Jesus Christ. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Ludy, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.